Welcome to Boston Confidential, Beantown's true crime podcast. Boston is a great city, but there's more to it than the Freedom Trail and Fenway Park. There's a startling underbelly to the city, and Boston Confidential will take you on a guided tour of the hub of the universe, Boston, Massachusetts. Hey everybody, welcome back to Boston Confidential. My name's Barry McGuire, and I'm your host. I'm a 20-year private investigator on the streets of Boston, and I help run a company called Impact Due Diligence Investigations. If you need anything in terms of investigative services, feel free to contact me at Impact. If I can't help you personally, I'll certainly direct you to the right person or agency. We got a big response from our episode on Anna Walsh last week, and man, it's a tough case. And it was the first time we've done a case that really hasn't been adjudicated yet. And again, all those things I spoke about were allegations. And I think I did a decent job of saying allegedly, which is difficult for me because everything that comes to Boston Confidential has usually been adjudicated for the most part. But Brian Walsh had just been arrested for the homicide of his wife. And her body still hasn't been found. And that episode came out last week. There's really been no new information since then. And I think that's going to be the way that goes for a little while until they ramp up for court. I think it'll be a year or so before they get ready for trial. During that time frame, they'll continue investigating and they'll try their hardest to find this body. I do think it's in the landfill. I believe one of the video segments shows Brian carrying something over his shoulder to one of these dumpsters. And it's not totally out of the question that the police can find Anna's body in a landfill, but they really have to narrow it down. So it's concerning, you know, that the mother of your three kids, you know, you loved her at one point, you couldn't live without her, is now in the dump you threw her away. And there's other people that love her. So I don't know if this was a sane society, he'd be headed for the gas chamber after he was convicted. And I know he hasn't been convicted yet, but that's definitely a death penalty case, right? You kill a woman, you take her from her children, from her elderly mother for no reason, for just money. This goofball was on the way to the joint. And I think on New Year's Eve, Anna might have had a few drinks and actually told him what she thought of him. That was a mistake because this goofball should have been in prison already. But our system lets this all just drag out. And now there's a dead woman, an innocent woman, you know. When the system doesn't work well, these are the things that happen. You let people just linger, right? His life's about to change. He's like, screw it. I'm going to jail anyway. And he starts with those foolish searches that are going to seal his fate. Man, it's a, it's a terrible case. and. The strange thing about it is that an unrelated fire brought all this media attention to the case, at least at the beginning. The police did a masterful job in working this guy and getting him to commit to certain statements and boxing him in on them. His whereabouts, he lied to the police from Jump Street. And don't forget, he was originally arrested for misleading an investigation. And prosecutors don't usually like to do that if it's a homicide, but I think they felt it necessary in this case, you know. And my only concern was that he had custody of those kids. 
for an extended period, and anything can happen, as we've seen. Also, guys, while I think of it, I should probably clarify something. I stated that Anna Walsh's children went into the custody of the state. I believe I originally said that a family friend had taken the children in, and that was true. And somebody wrote in to me via email at barry at bostonconfidential.net saying that, yes, sometimes the foster system will quickly qualify a family friend if they can take all the children in together. So I think that's what's happened. The family friend was kind of like a straight arrow, like, you know, working stiffs, like most of us, right? And said, yeah, I'll take them in. No criminal background, so it goes quickly. And they're certified as foster parents, at least in the interim. And I believe that's where the kids are now. So I guess I was kind of right saying they were in state custody because the state does officially have custody of them, but they foster the parenting out, right? And so that's where I think the kids are now. And I think that's probably the best outcome that the family friend, they're probably close with their own kids and all that. And Anna's mother's in Serbia, and I'm thinking she has to be elderly or getting elderly. There may be health problems and visa issues. So I don't think Anna's mother has come back here yet. And to be honest with you, I hadn't heard anything about memorial services or anything like that. The family's probably waiting to see if the body is retrieved. It's just totally heartbreaking. Those babies go without a mother, and dad's going to jail for the rest of his life. Again, it's all alleged, right? One of the questions in that case that echoes in my mind is, were the kids upstairs while he was dismembering a body downstairs? That's some creepy stuff right there. Okay, guys, so that was the Anna Walsh case, and it hadn't been adjudicated yet. And one of the reasons I like to do cases that went through the court system is because I just get so many more records, right? Especially if there's an appeal, the whole case is laid out, you know, prosecutors, vision, and the defense. So that's what I like. But there's been another case I think we're going to go with this week, and it was hard. This was a hard decision for me. And this is the brutal case of Lindsay Clancy of Duxbury, Massachusetts. This also just happened and hasn't been adjudicated yet. So I'm going to preface everything I say by saying all these allegations are just that at this point, simply allegations. Nothing has been proven. There is physical evidence. And I have to give you a warning at this point. This case involves violence against children, violence against babies. And it's a harrowing case. And if you can't handle that, this is the time to bail. But this is Boston Confidential, and we've got to give it to you straight. All right, guys, so this is the case of the Clancy family from Duxbury, Massachusetts. Let me tell you a little bit about Duxbury, just so you have a sense of place here. The Anna Walsh case happened probably, I don't know, five or ten minutes north in Cohasset, but it's all on Massachusetts, Boston's South Shore. And both of these communities are very well healed. Cohasset probably a little bit more so, but you may not even be able to differentiate between the two. The nickname for Duxbury is 
deluxe berry, right? It is very high end. You probably couldn't get a home there for, I don't know, under 500000 The house where this happened, that was valued at almost 700000 And it's an older garrison colonial. And it's just very well healed. A beautiful community, seaside community, just like Cohasset and a lot of the South Shore. I believe to the north of Duxbury is Marshfield. And then there's Kingston to, I don't know, the left or so, depending on which way you're looking at a map. Again, beautiful areas, beautiful communities, all of them. Not a lot of violent crime in these communities. I know you wouldn't be able to tell that from our last two episodes, but I think I mentioned in the last one, I'd swap homes to live in Cohasset, I'll tell you that. And Duxbury or Deluxeberry is right there with it. Duxbury, I don't know, in totality, you know, as the crow flies, it's about 35 miles from the city of Boston. As with Cohasset last week, the commute to anywhere on the South Shore is hellacious. It's probably the worst commute in Massachusetts. And I know Boston Confidential fans on the North Shore are going to say, hey, what about us? That's a hellacious commute, too. And I just saw something in the news where they had done, you know, traffic studies. And worldwide, not just in the United States, Boston comes out as like number two in traffic congestion. I know it used to rival Washington, D.C., but I think the commute from the South Shore into the city and again in the evening is probably the worst commute you're going to get in Massachusetts, and it's pretty bad. But once you're there, once you're home, it is beautiful. They're well-funded communities. They have very good police departments. Crime is low. It's a very desirable place to live, and I think it'll continue to be so, both in Cohasset and in Duxbury, where the case we're talking about this week occurred. So completely beautiful. And both of these cases are just question marks. Human behavior. What's going on? And what's going on in the South Shore, really? And I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but I have to say, society seems different after COVID. It seems more mean. It seems more hostile. I don't know what happened with that pandemic, but as it ended, everybody just seems so utterly angry. Does it have anything to do with this case, the Clancy case that happened in Duxbury? Probably not. It's just an observation that I'm making, kind of offhand. But I guess we have to get to it. All right, guys, so let me give you some background. As I know it, it's very early. We're in the early stages of this case. So things that I'd normally pick up may be omitted here. It's still just so early and... Let's go. This is the Clancy family of Duxbury, Massachusetts. Lindsay Clancy is 32 years old, and she's from Wallingford, Connecticut, which is north of New Haven, Connecticut, and south of Hartford. If you've ever driven to New York City from Boston, you've probably passed through it. It's a beautiful community, totally suburban. Again, I don't want to say crime-free, but violent crime-free, probably. It is commutable, they say, to New York City and Hartford, so people must do that. I'm not entirely sure. 
And Lindsay grew up in a middle-class household in a beautiful neighborhood where everybody knew everybody. After this happened, they interviewed neighbors in that neighborhood in Wallingford, and nobody could say a bad thing about Lindsay's parents or Lindsay herself. They'd see her visit around the holidays and bring her kids with her. So it's kind of a milk toast story. It's a suburban lifestyle, you know, that most people would kill for, really. So Lindsay goes to, I believe, public school through the Wallingford system, and she later graduates and goes off to Quinpiac College in Connecticut. Quinpiac is a very good school, and it probably has one of the most beautiful campuses I've ever seen. A friend of mine graduated from there, and she showed me one time this drone footage of campus, and man, is it absolutely gorgeous. And they have a big business program. They have a big medical program because a lot of those candidates end up going to New York City and, you know, even to Boston, I suppose. But it is just a great college. And Lindsay studied biology in Quinpiac for four years. I mean, that's a difficult major. A lot of people study biology as pre-med. And I think that was the route that Lindsay knew she was going. She graduated from Quimpiac in 2012, and around that time, she had met a young man by the name of Patrick Clancy, and they met in my hometown of South Boston, believe it or not, I believe just prior to graduation, I saw some story where Patrick and Lindsay had met in South Boston, and it was kind of through some cousins and friends, I don't know if it was like a setup type thing but they really hit it off together. And as far as Patrick goes, there's not much out there. I really don't know yet what he does for a living. And they're both like physically fit, super physically fit. Lindsay is a beautiful woman. She's 32, but I don't know. Could she pass for 25? Yes, in a heartbeat. And same for her husband. Seems like a handsome guy. He's got like a runner's build. Again, I don't know what his professional status is, but they do live in Duxbury, right? So things seem to be going pretty well. The couple got married in 2013, and I think that's around the time that Lindsay started her nursing career because she graduated with a degree in biology from Quimpiac. I don't know where she got her nursing degree from. Both of those degrees are super difficult. I might be able to get through nursing with some assistance. Could I get a bachelor's degree in biology? No. No, I couldn't. So you'd have to think, just from getting into Quimpiac, first of all, in that major, this girl is a sharp tack. And she had interned or something like that, whatever they do in the nursing profession, at South Shore Hospital in Weymouth, Massachusetts. And I think when she graduated... She became a nurse at Mass General Hospital. Again, Mass General. Do you get into Mass General being a slacker? No, you don't. Mass General, and a lot of people don't know this here in the metro Boston area, is one of the country's top two hospitals. And same thing worldwide. People come all over to go to Mass General. And I think they only hire the best of the best. And I think Lindsay fit right in there. And her specialty was labor and delivery. 
believe it or not. And from all accounts, it's still early. I haven't heard a bad word about this woman in terms of employment, you know. She just seems to be on an upward trajectory, right? All things considered. There are some question marks about Patrick. And yeah, I say question marks. It's just nothing's come out yet. I really don't know what he does for a living or his educational background. And I looked for it pretty well. But again, we're still in the early stages here. And that whole community is just stunned. So things on the outside, you would look at them, you would see their Facebook, you would see, I think, her Instagram or whatever and say, geez, it's kind of like the life I'd want. You're in your 30s. You live in Duxbury, beautiful home, and three beautiful children. It's what we all want, right? Beautiful home, handsome husband, things are going well. She was on leave after just having her last baby. And from women I've spoken to, that's the best time of their lives. But something certainly went wrong here with Lindsay. And man, just the whole town, the family, and maybe the state of Massachusetts will never be the same again after what happened here. So guys, the Clancy's had three children. Cora was five, followed by Dawson and their second son, Kaylin, who was seven months. Patrick had been working from home since Kaylin had been born. And Lindsay had been out on maternity leave from Mass General. So the family was together, you know, at least part of the day, most days. And... Lindsay had been undergoing some treatment. This really just came out a few days ago, some pretty intensive treatment for postpartum depression. She was attending a five-day-a-week intensive program. I don't know where it was, if it was on the South Shore or in the city. But she was suffering from postpartum depression. And in July of 2022, she had posted on Facebook that she was kind of backfiring on all cylinders. You know, I think she was talking about as being a mother and she was attributed these good feelings to nutrition, exercise, and her mindset. So she was suffering from postpartum depression, but she was treating it, you know, and the husband was her support and worked from home. So she was getting the support. She was basically in therapy for it. She was a labor and delivery nurse. So if there's anybody to know about postpartum depression, it would be a labor and delivery nurse. They tell you all about it before you leave the hospital with the kid. It's actually pretty common. A lot of people go through it. And most of the time, it clears up in just a few days, a month. It used to be called the baby blues. But this was more than that, apparently. And it would end up being something absolutely unholy. So on Tuesday, January 24th, 2023, Patrick had been working from home and Lindsay had been home as well. I don't know if she had been to therapy that day or not. It was a five day a week program and that's pretty intensive guys. So regardless, Patrick orders some food, some takeout food for dinner for the wife and kids and he goes out to get it. And when he returns, the first thing he sees is his wife on the ground. And he calls the police and he's tending to her. And the police 
arrive pretty quickly, as does the ambulance. And they go into the house and they see a horror show. I don't know any other way to put it. All of the children appeared to be dead. And there were signs of trauma. They call it severe trauma. And in the charging documents, they say one of the charges was assault and battery with the dangerous weapon. So I don't know. The children had signs of being strangled, but I think the dangerous weapon may have been, I hate to say it, a garrote. I'm not entirely sure. Could the dangerous weapon have just been her hands? I just don't think so. So the police pretty quickly surmised that when Patrick went out to the restaurant to pick up the takeout and come home, Lindsay had strangled all of her children. And Cora and Dawson were dead at the scene. And Kaylin was rushed from the house and had some signs of life, but he would succumb on Friday, January 27th, 2023. I'm recording this on the 28th. So the little guy put up quite a fight, but I think he was on life support from the beginning and the doctors did the best they could. There was no resuscitation available for Cora or Dawson. The wife was injured on the ground. She had jumped out a second floor window and which seems to be a suicide attempt. So that was the scene on Summer Street and Duxbury on January 24th. And man, Duxbury will never be the same, I'll tell you that. Everybody in that family will be haunted for the rest of their lives. Imagine being the poor father in this. You're trying to help your wife. And she obviously had some type of plan for when you left. You go to pick up some food for the kids and you come home and basically your whole family's gone. The wife, Lindsay, was rushed to the hospital and she was not in critical condition, I don't think, but she was hospitalized. And people were checking around. The media was checking around to see if she was in jail. And she wasn't. She is still in the hospital as far as I know. And I believe that's Plymouth County. And Plymouth County houses women prisoners in the South Suffolk House of Correction in Boston. And she's not been reported to have been transferred there. So she's apparently still in the hospital. The police and first responders at this case were horrified. And they're undergoing treatment. This was so bad, guys, that they're getting extra treatment, you know, psychological treatment, couple days off, that type of thing. But what a horror show, because I guarantee you the vast majority of people who showed up to help have kids as well. And probably a majority of them have young families too. It's just heartbreaking and so unnecessary. What happened here? It would come out in the days afterwards, just a few days, and it's still just a few days, so it's difficult to report on, but it is said that she had suffered from postpartum depression. And I know women who suffer from this, and it typically goes away on its own. Some people need medication, but it's said that there is an intense version of 
postpartum depression, and it's called postpartum psychosis, which can include hallucinations and just a whole host of stuff. I'm going to read you some of the symptoms of postpartum psychosis, and this is through the NHS, the National Health Service of Britain. Restlessness, feeling confused, behaving in a way that's out of character, delusions, thoughts or beliefs that are unlikely to be true, being manic, talking and thinking too much or too quickly, feeling high, and then the low moods kick in, and those are said to be worse. They could be hallucinations. So I don't know. I don't know what happened here. She was getting that treatment. Was she diagnosed with postpartum psychosis? We don't know yet. And it seems to be a leap to go that far. And just looking at the case from a criminal justice perspective, okay, and I know I'm going to get some blowback on this case, but looking at it from a criminal justice perspective, she timed this. It was a plan. So when the husband left, right, she did this so she couldn't be stopped. Does that say she wasn't in a psychotic state? I'm not sure, but she was able to plan it out, right? And there's a weird feeling about this case, and I seem to see this, and I'm just going to say it. Lindsay Clancy is getting more sympathy than a man ever would. If you compare this to, like, was it Kevin Seguin, who killed his family in Holliston, Massachusetts? We had just covered this case recently in, on Boston Confidential. That guy was stone depressed as well, but everybody wanted to rush him into the electric chair, myself included. And I guess I should state again my policy on mental illness. I thoroughly care about your mental illness all the way up until you hurt someone else. Then my sympathy switched to them, okay? And there just seems to be a groundswell of support for Lindsay in this case that a man would never get. I'm sorry, that's happening right before me. I can see it in the tones of the newspaper articles. There was an article by Kevin Cullen that exemplifies this, really, or illustrates it's probably a better word. I just find it strange that public sympathy is going in that direction. And don't get me wrong, the whole town is upset, and I may be reading this wrong, but it's my take, and that's what I have to do here at Boston Confidential is give you my take. So in essence, people are saying this, and I see it online, I see it on Facebook, and it's basically the yeah, but defense. Yeah, but she had postpartum depression or postpartum psychosis. I, I don't know if I know enough about it, but that just seems to be a leap for me. There's three dead babies here, you know? Cora's five, Dawson three, and Kaylin seven months. And this guy just goes out to bring dinner back, and he thinks he's going to have dinner, and his whole family's gone, right? His wife is likely going to be going off to prison forever, right? And he, she just killed these kids, allegedly. This is all alleged, guys. There's nothing has been proven yet. It's all alleged. She allegedly did these things. But it seems to be going in that direction, right? And I know there are societal double standards, right? But again, that Kenneth Seguin case, 
right to the electric chair, and I'd flip the switch on that ass myself. But how do you feel about this one? Is this a death penalty case? If you take the emotion out of it, it certainly is. It's painful to even look at the house, right? On the news, there's all kinds of toys in the backyard. It's a beautiful home. You know, nice big yard. Man, everything has changed just after you went to get some takeout for the family, right? How many of us have done that? And you come back and your wife has killed your kids. In these cases, I always say to myself, how does the suicide go wrong? You only live in a garrison colonial. You think that's going to kill you jumping out the window on the second floor? I don't know. I don't know what happened here. Is postpartum cause and effect? Is it an excuse? Will something else come out? So I've done some research on postpartum psychosis and the numbers seem very high. I don't know if I believe these numbers. They say one in 500 mothers will develop postpartum psychosis. That just seems so high to me. And I did a little bit more research. I don't know if I'm buying it. I don't know if I'm buying the numbers on this. There's 70,000, approximately 70,000 live births in Massachusetts. And one in 500 comes out to 0.2%. So 0.2% of 70,000 is 140 cases, 140 cases in the Commonwealth alone. Seems awfully high to me, awfully, awfully high. So I don't know how much trust to put in that, but I do believe that postpartum psychosis is real. The baby blues, the postpartum depression is much more common. And she would know that. Lindsay would know that. She's a labor and delivery nurse. You think she would just go out, get the hell out, put me in some type of residential facility. And I know depression, just regular depression changes your brain chemistry. And I'm assuming it's the same with postpartum depression and postpartum psychosis. I just guess I don't understand it enough. If anybody wants to educate me on it, please feel free to do so. Barry at bostonconfidential.net. But I'm looking at those numbers and a little difficult to believe, quite frankly. The postpartum depression is usually attributed to the change in hormones when, you know, the baby is born. And I guess it's brain chemistry. That's really how I see it. It's how it's been explained to me. Your brain chemistry changes Pregnancy is a huge deal for a woman, you know, just for the body. And it seems like postpartum depression and or psychosis is treated with kind of like the same medicine you'd get for regular depression. Antipsychotics, depending on the severity of the symptoms, mood stabilizers, those type of things, Zoloft, Paxil, all that. It seems to be a similar treatment as to regular depression. and. I do understand somewhat the postpartum depression a little bit, I guess. I've also met people who don't like how life goes with so many children. You know, they just can't handle it. She didn't seem that way. Lindsay didn't seem that way. That July, she had a post that people are saying is about postpartum depression, saying she was like back on her game. And she was using nutrition, exercise, and mindset, and she was totally dialed in. And so she knew she needed some help and was getting it. 
the husband's there giving it, and somehow she concocts this plan for when this guy goes to pick up dinner, she's going to kill her kids and herself. And was the suicide attempt, ugh, you know, you hate to say it, you hate to talk like this, right? And it's hard because there is a groundswell of support for Lindsay. And I'm sorry to say, I don't know if it's deserved. Try to strip the emotion away. Would a man be getting that same groundswell of support if he was the killer? Ask yourself that. And again, it's all alleged at this point, guys. There's been no convictions here. But I think we can see the direction of this case is going. The only defense I see coming forward is insanity, and they're definitely going to go with postpartum psychosis. I don't know what type of deal the district attorney is going to offer or want to offer, because the knee jerk is we're offering you nothing but a prison cell for the rest of your life. Are you comfortable with that? I think I am. What about the death penalty? Is this the death penalty case? I know I've said it a million times on this show. This case is a death penalty case. If you strip the emotion away, it would be. It's kind of moot here in Massachusetts. We fell one vote short of reinstalling the death penalty in the early 2000s. And so we don't have it. So it's a definitely a moot point. But just for conversations case, is this a capital case? Insanity defenses seldom work in murder trials. And that's in the United States and Massachusetts. It's even more difficult to plead insanity in these cases. It just doesn't go over well. And you've got three dead babies here, right? You think a jury's going to want to consider letting somebody out with that? I wouldn't. Imagine being on this jury. What do you do? She has been diagnosed with postpartum. I would assume she is in treatment for it. I don't know, guys. I have to tell you, my heart breaks for Patrick Clancy. You're just going out to get some takeout food, maybe a pizza, maybe some wings for the kids. Who knows? You're going to sit down and have dinner. And yeah, mom's having a hard time, but everybody's together. And man, the winter will be over soon. The kids will be out in the yard. The springtime, and this happens. She does this. You know, and in the newspapers, they describe it as a tragedy, right? And it's less than if a man had done it. The headlines, the articles, the newscast, much less. They call this a tragedy like it's a tornado, an act of God. It wasn't. It was the act of Lindsay Clancy, you know? And it's weird how it's being played out. And I know I'm going to get a lot of blowback on this. I don't think it's going to be popular, these things I just said. If you want to let me have it, I guess you're entitled to do so. It's Barry at bostonconfidential.net. I don't shy from it. So my prayers go out to the Clancy family, Patrick. And man, I just, I couldn't imagine. You pull in the driveway. I think he just saw Lindsay on the ground and he calls the police. Then all your kids are gone. She killed them. The woman you love killed them while you were out getting a pizza or whatever. Something we've all done a million times, you know? Hey, go pick up a pizza. I'm not cooking tonight. All right, no worries. 
and you come back and your whole life is shattered. Your beautiful children are gone and your wife did it, allegedly, right? What do you do? How do you go on? What happens the next day? What happens the next week? Can you ever go back to the house? Can you ever go back to work? Can you ever go anywhere but a mental institution? I wouldn't know what to do. Would you? So the community of Duxbury have really rallied around the family. There is a groundswell of support, and it's deserved for Pat. But a friend of Patrick's had organized a GoFundMe, and I'll see if I can put it in the show notes, a GoFundMe for Patrick and the family. And in one day, I believe it was one day, they raised about $450,000 of a $700,000 goal. I mean, that's Duxbury for you. They're standing up here, and I know it's all over the country, all over Massachusetts, but I think the groundswell is coming from Duxbury. So they're taking care of one of their own, and that's good to see. And Patrick's going to need that money because the whole world for this poor guy has been shattered. Do you recover from it? Sometimes I look at, like, John Benet Ramsey's father. You know, that case killed the wife. It killed Patsy Ramsey. She ended up with breast cancer. And all she could say during the whole treatment was that she was going to go see John Bonet. And the father looks like crap. You know, he was ruined. They're all ruined. And I think that's what happens to Patrick here. You know, you're going to second guess yourself. Why didn't I do more? Why did I do enough? You got her in treatment. You're working from home. But again, it's going to haunt you. Should I have done more? Could I have done more? And then do you ever see your wife again? Do you ever talk to her? What are you going to do? What are you going to say to her? It's all just so unnecessary and heartbreaking, you know? Say a prayer for this family, if you can. All of them. I think the kids will certainly hear you. All right, guys. I know I'm going to get some blowback on this one. And hey, I'll take it. I call it like I see it. I think that's all I have for you. I'll get on to the next one. I'll see you on the flip side. <laughs>